Hello, you're listening to the Trouble Trouble Podcast, and I'm your host, Seth. I'll be your host for this adventure. Before I get started, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll have all the podcasts delivered right to your app of choice. If you made it to the end and enjoyed your experience, leave a review. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, we made it to the season one finale. Who's excited? I am. So let's see, what are we going to be talking about today? Today, I'll be covering Lady Gaga's second album, The Fame Monster. But before I get into that discussion, I have a special guest joining me today. So let's welcome Stoney from the Thanks for Coming podcast, which is a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast that we do together. Hey, Stoney, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing well. I'm excited to be on your podcast to talk about some music. <laughs> yes, girl. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> I know. I've You saved the best for last. What can I say? <laughs> I did. We started with Jamal and we ended with Stoney. So I feel like we've completed the, um, the four corners that we have to call <laughs> to the earth. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> or something like that. So let's see. I know you're a a music lover like I am. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about your connection to music? Yeah. So I guess as far as like being a kid and growing up, like I listened to a lot of the things like my parents listened to, which was actually a lot of like classic rock. So things from like the 60s and 70s, a lot of like Beatles, like Leonard Skinner. I'm trying to think what else like Bob Dylan, things like that. Queen obviously was another big one. So I just remember like anytime we would go anywhere, my dad had like classic rock on. So I'd always be listening to like, you know, all the hits from the 60s and 70s. And then also too, I grew up listening to a lot of like country. So like, um, like Garth Brooks, like Dolly Parton, Tim McGraw, people like that, Faith Hill. So kind of a a weird mix, I guess, of music. (laughs) Yeah. And and you grew up in southern Indiana, just geographically for people to point reference to because I, th- I feel like where you grow up is also uh plays a little bit of a part into the kind of music you like as well yeah it was definitely like a unique like experience kind of like hearing a lot of that music growing up um as I started like become a teenager and kind of like grow into my own and like you know dealing with the fact that I was gay and trying to come out and all that, I started to get more into like pop music. And then I really started to get into like towards like my college years or at the end of my high school, I started getting into more like alternative rock. That's where I kind of fell in love with like REM and like Radiohead and then like the Foo Fighters back, things like that. And then really I, I kind of, really started to fall in love with Radiohead and became like obsessed because I really love like the abstract form of music and kind of just like really digging into like the lyrics and just like some of the complicated sounds that they have. So yeah, I just, I kind of like diving into those experiences and just kind of thinking through like what was the artist thinking when they were like writing this. Definitely. That's a very fun thing to do. And it, it's been fun to challenge, you know, myself to do that through this whole season and try and try and relate it to my life and, you know, in a, in a way that the people listening can hear as well. So, yeah, especially with Radiohead, there's lots of crazy 
uh, sounds and <laughs> rhythms and time signatures. So there's always something different with them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what was your first memory of music? Do you remember like a first song that you heard or anything like that? That is a good question. That's something I actually haven't really thought about a lot before. I would say it probably would have to be, it would probably have to be like a country song or something. I'm thinking just from my earliest childhood. And I just remember listening, my mom would always listen to like Garth Brooks. So it was probably like something Garth Brooks, like when I was like super young. (laughs) (laughs) Some Garth Brooks jam, uh, Achy Breaky Heart is that one? No, that's Billy. Is that him? <laughs> that's Billy. I don't Ray. know. That's Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley's dad. Sorry, y'all. Um, what? I know what song. Oh wait, um, this is the song that Garth Brooks sings. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not big into country. No, I didn't I'm, listen to that growing up. So I'm trying to think. So like Thunder Road was a huge song for Garth Brooks. Um, and there's that one uh, about the bar. I can't think of it right now. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because I thought. Isn't there the one that's like, I'll be your friend? Oh, friends in low places. That's what I was thinking of. So it was. There we go. Yeah, that was like really popular. Yay. I know a Garth Brooks song, everyone. I redeemed myself. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just don't listen to a lot of country music. (laughs) So, what, what do you typically look for in music? What part is it the artist or the music or the lyrics? I think it depends on like what mood I'm in. Like it really just depends. So like if I'm looking for like something just to relax and kind of just chill at home, you know, with a drink in my hand and just want to relax on the couch, I'm looking for something with kind of that will take me and put me into a different environment, kind of like a Radiohead or something where it's just like you can kind of set and transform and go to a different place and i think some of that has to do because i'm like a big sci-fi fan so it's kind of like it's kind of like this like similar you know what i mean like taking you to a different place yeah those are the best kind of albums where it kind of like they make their own sound space so it feels like you're in a in their world and yeah it's fun because then once you're in this different world you can really think about like what's going on like what am i hearing what am i what are they trying to tell me in the lyrics and things like that yeah and so one of my favorite albums is probably like from radiohead is probably like in rainbows or i don't know i really also like kid a because those two kind of just take you to like a different place kid a is kind of darker whereas um in rainbows is more happy and summery i guess yeah i mean and and okay computer i feel like is just a classic too like just like not even if you're like a radiohead stan like even if you're like casually into radiohead like everybody knows okay computer yeah that one's just a really good jam album too i feel like (laughs) yeah i like that one a lot so what kind of music are you currently listening to i know you've been getting into k-pop recently (laughs) Yeah, so I've been listening to some K-pop, I guess. Jamal kind of got me into that. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. That's That's been fun. That's more of just like bubblegum pop, but it's just like fun bubblegum pop. I also really like, I'm really into Courtney Barnett right now. I know she's been around for a few years, but I love anything from her just because I feel like she just has such a good way of like writing lyrics and how she sings some of her songs. Like it's just very unique to me and fun also i mean i love lizzo 
the album that she came out with a few years ago. Like I've listened to that so many times. So I don't know. Those are kind of my like favorites right now. I unfortunately I don't listen to music as much as I used to, but those are kind of my big ones right now. Definitely. Those are some good ones and it kind of shows a wide variety too. So that's pretty neat that you're, uh, you know, have sort of a well-rounded <laughs> taste of music. <laughs> If you had to name like a favorite album and you were only allowed to listen to this album for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I only get to choose one album. Yeah. You can only choose one. You know what? So this one might surprise you because it honestly kind of surprises me too. But one of my favorite albums of all time is Into the Wild by Eddie Vedder. Yes, love. I almost watched that movie last night. It's so funny that you mentioned it. Yeah, like that. I think the reason I like it is because it has, it kind of has elements of the music I listened to when I was a kid because it's like classic rock mixed with like uh, some country. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just really love that song or that album. And Eddie Vedder is just awesome. So I feel like it's a very versatile album that I would never get tired of. Yeah, definitely. And especially like if you're stranded on an island or something, it's very relatable because that's what the story is about that these songs were written for. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of works out in that way. But yeah, that's such a good album. Eddie Vedder, A Cold Hard Sun. I like that one a lot. There's tons of good ones on that on that soundtrack, though. Like, I don't know. Eddie, Eddie Vedder just can do no wrong in my eyes, as the listeners probably know, because I did a whole podcast about Pearl Jam. Yeah. And the thing with that album too it kind of is another one of those albums i feel like it takes you somewhere else like it just has a vibe to it it's not really a it's like a collection of songs that are very similar but it tells a story yeah i I remember one time listening to the um the vinyl i have the vinyl for this soundtrack and drinking lots of wine one night and i just remember like feeling like i got taken to like a whole different world and i was like i i fucking get the world you guys (laughs) isn't that the best where you're just like i'm somewhere else (laughs) yes yeah that was really yeah that's a good one i really like that one a lot very cool well why don't we go ahead and kind of switch gears and we'll start talking about our first album the fame monster yes (laughs) yes so uh, the fame monster is a reissue of her debut album the fame which was released in 2008 but with eight additional songs so we will be focusing on the new material in this podcast lady gaga did not like the idea of a re-release because it is a disservice to the artist's creativity because quote It's artists sneaking singles onto an already finished piece of work in an effort to keep the album afloat, end quote. Unlike the previous album, the songs on the Fame Monster were written about personal experiences. She also let influences from her time touring in Eastern Europe seep into the forming of this album. She said, quote, And this album is a pop experimentation with industrial goth beats, 90s dance melodies, an obsession with the lyrical genius of 80s melancholic pop and the runway, end quote. In an interview with MTV News, Gaga said the fame and the fame monster were like yin and yang because they're contrasting styles and concepts. The fame monster was recorded at Dark Child Studios in Los Angeles. F.C. Walvish in Amsterdam, 
Metropolis Studios in London, Record Plant in Los Angeles, and Studio Groove in Osaka, Japan. So this is a very all-over-the-world album. <laughs> <laughs> so the Fame Monster was released on November 18th, 2009 on Interscope Records. In the United States, the individual disc of the Fame Monster charted at number five on the Billboard 200 with sales of 174,000 copies, while the double disc deluxe edition, including the original album, The Fame, moved up from number 34 to number six with the sales of 151,000 copies. That album also topped the digital album charts with sales of 65,000. Seven of the eight songs from the record also charted on the hot digital song chart, led by Bad Romance, which held the top position for uh, the second week with sales of 218,000 copies. In total, Gaga had 11 songs that week charting on the digital songs chart. 11. That's pretty crazy. (laughs) Let's just let that sink in, everybody. (laughs) In March 2020, the album was certified quintuple platinum for shipment of 5 million copies. This album had a huge impact on fashion and music. BBC's Zane Lowe states, quote, Mike Skinner told me this because we were having a debate about Lady Gaga, and he was like, one thing you got to remember about Lady Gaga she put four on the floor back on American radio and that uh, up until that moment, there was nothing resembling four on the floor in pop music. So four on the floor is basically just to kind of explain is when uh, the bass, the kick drum is playing on every beat, basically one, two, three, and four on a four, four time signature. And this is also like common in disco, um, disco songs as well. Okay. So Andrew Unterberger of Billboard stated that, quote, Gaga raised the standards for ambition in pop. It didn't take long for Gaga to prove that she was the asteroid pop music was begging to have crashed through it, end quote. John Karamin, sorry, this is a hard name to pronounce. John Karamanica from the New York Times in his article, quote, Girl Pops Lady Gaga Makeover, end quote, states, quote, If Lady Gaga has had a direct impact on anyone, it's been most surprisingly Beyonce, who has spent the majority of her career impervious to influence from her peers. Yet in the last year, in the wake of a pair of collaborations with Lady Gaga, telephone and videophone, she appears to have come alive. The videos for those songs showed her to be far more humorous than ever before. And it's as if Lady Gaga swooped in and infected Beyonce with a bug, a vampiric chain of events, end quote. All righty. So let's talk about some of the themes on this album. Whereas her first album, The Fame, had themes of attaining fame and fortune, The Fame Monster shows the dark side of fame. Using 70s glam rock and disco beats, the new monster theme started when Gaga released a tweet saying only the word monster on May 22nd, 2009. In an interview with the Daily Star, Gaga explained that this concept of monster for this record, she said, 
quote, I have an obsession with death and sex. Those two things are the nexus of horror films, which I've been obsessing over lately. I've been watching horror movies and 1950s science fiction movies. My re-release is called The Fame Monsters. I've just been sort of bulimically eating and regurgitating monster movies and all things scary. I've just been noticing a resurgence of this idea of monster, of fantasy, but in a very real way. If you notice in those films, there's always a juxtaposition of sex with death. That's what makes it so scary. Body and mind are primed for orgasm, and instead, somebody gets killed. That's the sort of sick, twisted psychological circumstance. End quote. The lyrics on this album contain zombie metaphors as well. In songs like Monster, where she sings, He Ate My Heart. And in Teeth, she sings, Take a Bite of My Bad Girl Meat. And then in Dance in the Dark, uh, she sings, Silicone, Saline, Poison, Inject Me. Second track, Alejandro incorporates elements from music of ABBA and Ace of Bass, with the lyrics talking about Gaga going through a breakup. The fourth track is a ballad, Speechless. It's a 90s, a 1970s rock-inspired number that discusses abusive relationships. Gaga's inspiration for the track was her father's heart condition. She recalls how her father used to call after having a few drinks, but the singer was speechless in her response, fearing for his death. The album's fifth track, Dance in the Dark, talks about a girl who likes to have sex with the lights off as she is ashamed of her body. I think it could also be a reference to Poker Face, which talks about Gaga's bisexuality. Telephone was originally written by Gaga for singer Britney Spears' sixth studio album, Circus, (laughs) but her label rejected the song. And it talks about the singer preferring a dance floor rather than answering her lover's call. Gaga explained that the song deals with her fear of suffocation, her, quote, fear of never being able to enjoy myself because I love my work so much, I find it hard to go out and have a good time, end quote. All right. So let's talk about some lyrics. Do you have any lyrics from the fame monster that we should talk about first, Stoney? Yeah. So it's like really interesting talking about this album because in preparation for this, there was just like, I know all the songs and they're all just like stuck in my head. So like, it was like, which ones like, should I highlight even though I love pretty much all the songs on this album. So for me, like one of my, one of the songs I feel like has always been underrated on this album is the so happy I could die song. Oh yeah. I thought you were going to say bad romance. Oh yeah. Super (laughs) underrated. (laughs) Um, So I don't know, like to me, the song, especially, so just to put context in it, like when this came out, like I had just graduated college, like I was what, like 22, 23 or something. So like this album to me just means so much because it was of the age of where I just recently come out um, in college. And then like, I was still young and still going out a lot. So like, to me, the song, I just really love it because like the main chorus is like happy in the club with a bottle of red wine stars in her eyes because we're having a good time. It's just like basically that feeling to me of like when you're young and just having fun like at the gay bar or whatever and you're just like dancing, having drinks and you just never want it to end. Right. Yeah. I think I mean, I kind of like 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm just trying to figure out how to say this because, like, I feel like I really broke the code on this album. But and I also talked about "So Happy I Can Die." <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, I really like "So Happy I Can Die" because that song is about kind of like loving yourself. Yeah. So I, I thought that was cool, and it's about feeling free and just that sort of thing. I think. Yeah, I think it just. The best thing about like music too is just being able to like interpret the lyrics in your own way. But like, in, it's always like a timestamp. I feel like on your life, you know what I mean. So yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just a fun song and was always fun for me. Like when I was that age. <laughs> oh yeah, because I remember like when this album first came out. I was living in Los Angeles, and one of my friends was dating this guy who was like obsessed with Lady Gaga and so like I just remember so many nights driving around Los Angeles like at like two or three in the morning and this album was like all we listened to and the fame monster and he would just blast it like as loud as possible like literally <laughs> I thought it was gonna make the car fall apart <laughs> yeah I might have been deaf afterwards also <laughs> Well, and it was like when this came out, like this was always the album I would put on like before I was like when I was getting ready to go out or whatever. And so like, I don't know, it's just I've listened to this so many times. It's like, I don't know, it's just funny, like going back and revisiting because I'm like, I know all of these songs like on the back of my hand. Like, yeah, it's like a part of us basically in a way. A lyric that I wanted to point out, just because we talked about the themes on this album of like horror and um, and things like that, this lyric from Bad Romance, she sings, I want your horror, I want your design, because you're a criminal as long as you're mine. I want your love, I want your love, 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 all those sort of things. I want your psycho, your vertigo shtick, want you in my rear window, baby, you're sick. So the, this verse is basically just a direct tribute to her love of Hitchcock movies because, you know, she says, um, you know, she talks about horror, like horror movies, and you get to name check Hitchcock movies like Psycho, Vertigo, Rear Window. So that I thought that was really interesting and worth bringing up just to um, tie it all in. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that's what like where that all came from and I didn't even know about her like watching all these like horror movies and stuff like during the writing of this so that is interesting yeah I didn't realize that she was like really into the horror movies during this period either it was really interesting putting that together but also in this song there's another great lyric that is um the part where you scream the most in bad romance i think <laughs> it, it's uh she sings i want your love and i want your revenge i want your love i don't want to be friends je veux ton amour et je veux ta revanche je veux ton amour i don't want to be friends so this song is kind of about falling in love with one of your friends and like how wrong it could turn out because you're like <laughs> could ruin your friendship basically <laughs> And I feel like we can all relate to that as members of the LGBT community because, like, I feel like it's just so easy to fall in love with your friends <laughs> or, like, or have a crush on someone and then they end up being your friend, but you still have a crush on them. Yeah, def definitely, like, there's a lot of themes, I feel like, in her music where I think that's why gay people a lot of times can connect with her so much is because a lot of her, like, lyrics and things you know, relate to us in the community 
or like experiences we've had, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, just to continue on this line of uh, discussion in the LGBT community and love in the song Monster, she sings, look at him, look at me. That boy is bad. And honestly, he's a wolf in disguise, but I can't stop staring in those evil eyes. So it's basically, you know, this song about like lusting for someone that you know is going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. But you can't like stop yourself. Yeah, no. And I was actually, I had that in my notes as well about Monster. Just it's that feeling of like when you are gay and you're trying to like you're struggling with like coming out and stuff. It's like you want to like resist those temptations. But, you know, your head is saying one thing, your heart is saying another. So it's. Um, like one of the my favorite parts of this song is during it's like the bridge at the end before the final chorus but it's where she sings um she's like we french kissed on a subway train he tore my clothes right off he ate my heart and then he ate my brain like i just love that part of the song like it's always just so epic to me (laughs) yeah i totally agree because i and and i had written to continue talking about that as well so i feel like we're on the same same wavelength here (laughs) because you know they're talking about that boy is a monster he ate my heart and then he ate my brain so it just kind of like talks about the power that guys can have over you like when you like them because you know, they're basically like the monsters and then they get you with your heart because you're like, oh, like I like them so much. And then once they have control of your you and your heart, then they eat your brain as well. So like you kind of lose <laughs> your common sense with with the person that you like and maybe do things that you normally wouldn't do. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. You know, the, the how love can kind of make you do all these irrational things and, and that concept in this song. Yeah, and just I don't want to derail the conversation, but there derail it. <laughs> there's this really cool mashup that I like back in the day when you would like burn CDs like and do mixes and stuff. I there was this version on YouTube. Um, Neo had come out with a song called Monster around the same time, and it was like a mashup of Neo's Monster and Lady Gaga's Monster, and it's like the best thing ever like it wasn't something they like put out it was like a fan put it together but if you have a chance youtube on youtube search for neo lady gaga monster it's like really good yeah i can remember listening to that it's not like fresh in my memory but i do remember enjoying it so i'll I'll second stoney's recommendation (laughs) here (laughs) do it (laughs) yes so to continue on in the song dance in the dark i like the lyric marilyn judy Sylvia, tell them how you feel, girls. Work your blonde Jean Benet Ramsey. Will haunt you like Liberace. Find your freedom in the music. Find your Jesus. Find your Kubrick. You will never fall apart. Diana, you're still in our hearts. Never let you fall apart. Together we'll dance in the dark. So the lyric starts with Gaga mentioning all these famous people that met a tragic end and celebrities that people look up to. And then she says, find your freedom in the music, find your Jesus, find your Kubrick. She's telling us to find out what sets us apart and to find our own inspirations. Interesting. Yeah. I, this part, that part of the song, I really love every time. Like it's just so interesting. I'd never really put it in that context before, I guess. So that is pretty cool. 
Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, too, that she says, you know, like, find your Jesus, almost as if she's saying that Jesus is a celebrity. It's like kind of an interesting commentary. And it's like, I, I don't know, necessarily, like, maybe Gaga is religious or something. So maybe she wrote it in a different way. But the way I kind of interpreted that is that, you know, Jesus has kind of like become this celebrity that people like just sort of like talk about, but don't necessarily follow what he says. Like he's, it's like, if a, that makes sense. Yeah. Like a name only. It's like Jesus means like, if you're following Jesus, it's a good thing, but you're not really actually doing anything that Jesus said you would do. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. It just is. I, I don't know. There was just like, so many lyrics that I really wanted to deep dive into so much, but we, you know, have a lot to get through here. So, <laughs> I, so uh, you know, it, it, to continue our discussion of lyrics in the chorus of Telephone, Gaga sings, stop calling, stop calling. I don't want to think anymore. I left my head and my heart on the dance floor. So here's where we break the code of this album. <laughs> So this album is just really one big story. You know, in Bad Romance, we start with uh, the relationship with her friend, even though she knows that it could ruin the friendship. Then there's the song Monster, He Ate My Heart, and then He Ate My Brains. Here, she's telling her friend to leave her alone. She doesn't have her heart and her brain for the monster to eat. She's unavailable. Also, referencing to leaving it on the dance floor, like in Dancing in the Dark, that song. So I think the album really tells quite the story and really shows the excellence in Gaga's lyrics. Because then in So Happy I Could Die, it's about her falling in love with herself again after this tumultuous relationship. She sings happy in the club with a bottle of red wine this lyric that may sound familiar to you all (laughs) um so basically you know she's drunk in the club and will and happy with herself and she will be her own best friend and love herself it's sort of like that rupaul quote if you can't love yourself then how the hell are you gonna love anybody else (laughs) i feel like that's kind of the message she's also portraying in this song for sure And then in Teeth, Gaga reminds us that there are monsters lurking around every corner and that we need to be cautious. She says, show me your teeth to see if her suitors are really monsters. Whoa, mind blown, girl. (laughs) Yes, girl. I told you that I cracked the code and now I've given you all something to think about. (laughs) Well, and like one of the reasons this album to me is one of her best, if not best album is because... I think it's very focused. It's like, it's what, just eight songs, I believe. And it's, they're all like relatable. And it's like, to me, it's her one album that it's like, it's literally kind of just more of a concept album. I don't want to say like it is a concept album, but it's more just like, it has a mood to it and a vibe to it. Whereas like some of her others, I feel like kind of has just like random tracks. But this one I really think is just, really excellent yeah definitely yeah it's because it really shows like the yin and the yang because you know the fame is like oh like she's going from being someone you haven't heard of until this into this huge like person you know this person this huge celebrity and so now then on the fame monster she's like well now i have all this fame and and all this stuff and and now there's like 
she kind of sees the dark sides of it. And so it's really interesting. I was wondering now if we can talk about our experience when we went to Las Vegas. I know maybe some people have heard us talk about seeing Lady Gaga in Las Vegas, but not on this podcast. (laughs) Like I, I was personally having the time of my life while suffering an anxiety attack, like the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like it was such an amazing experience. I don't know, like especially at the point that we saw her, it was what it was the Enigma show. So like she had already come out, I think, with Joanne at that point. Yeah, she had already come out with Joanne. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and she had that store there where she showed. It was almost like, and I think she had just done like the Super Bowl performance or something, and it was yeah. like I don't know. It's just at that point in her career, she kind of has like a legacy at this point. So it was just to see like her perform like all of her big hits. She wasn't promoting one specific album, so it was just like it was an amazing to kind of just listen to her perform like all of her stuff yeah and also born this way or not born this way uh, a star is born had just came out too yes so she was singing some of the songs from that soundtrack as well yes that hollering ass song <laughs> yeah <laughs> as they as crystal from the reed likes to call it they are the la 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 but um but yeah it was just like i don't know that was fun like just i mean you know being able to go into the house of gaga like the weekend when it just first opened seeing all of her outfits and props and things like that like her her meat dress and and things like that up close it was just um very very cool and uh and it's also really cool because her entrance into the show she kind of like descends from the ceiling and she was like basically just floating right because we were up in the balcony in the poor people seats um (laughs) so yes (laughs) so she kind of descends from the ceiling and uh and uh she was like literally like just floating right in front of us in her like sparkly disco ball outfit and i was just like oh my god she's right there it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. I'd also seen Lady Gaga a couple times before that. As I said, you know, if you've listened to this whole podcast, I used to work in television and I got to see a few of her performances. Um, I got to see her premiere Alejandro for the first time on her for like first TV performance of it on American Idol. And that was super cool. Yes. Like this whole like era of hers, Fame Monster was just so great in every way. Like I just wanted to mention too, like there's something about too, like with her, um, cause Bad Romance was the first single and like she kind of brought back like the music video. Like if you remember, like it was totally like music videos were just like whatever. And it was always just some like lame like music videos were just becoming lame at that point and she's brought it back to where it was like this artistic thing and it was like she was telling a story and i don't know ever since like the bad romance video like she kept like topping herself every single time oh yeah because then i mean the video with um her and beyonce for telephone was just epic i mean iconic (laughs) yeah like telephone and then even the alejandro video was really good like um yeah yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was just uh, really cool to see like some of the music videos that were associated with that project. Definitely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Because I mean, this is also at the time where MTV was sort of veering away from their music video roots. So people weren't as focused on making like 
these you know big budget music videos but gaga of course you know she always has a vision and and she you know really yeah like that video for bad romance is just like i feel it's just it's just an art piece on its own yes it's it's so good (laughs) definitely but also just to briefly go back to to getting to see lady gaga an american idol and i only want to say this just to show like how amazing lady gaga is because like i said this was her first performance so they were they this was like pre-taped for a later show so this was done after like the recording of an american idol show and it took them like 45 minutes to set up the stage so i'm just like sitting there like <laughs> i am not leaving like some people were starting to leave because it was just taking so long or whatever so then they had us move up so i got to be like sort of like more towards the middle of the crowd because i was sort of in the back and it was cool because they were like kind of like just putting the finishing touches on the the dance the choreography and then um with like the the choreographer and then eventually like after maybe like 20 minutes or so gaga comes out and she was like also sort of learning the choreography like learning the finishing touches to the choreography so it was kind of cool to see her kind of learning the choreography and she was singing along off microphone and she sing was singing so loud i could hear her i could hear her perfectly and like i, I was halfway like up the audience too and so like it was just so cool like she sings on pitch like perfect tone, beautiful voice. And it was just so cool to get to hear her sing without a microphone. That is really cool. And she was singing Bad Romance. Was that what she was? Uh, Alejandro. Alejandro, okay. Yeah. And so that was really cool just to see that. I was, you know, lots of people have seen her in concert, but just to be able to hear her sing off microphone, I was just like, this is like an experience I'll never forget. Yeah, that's so cool. (laughs) All right, you all, let's go ahead and continue on. I'm sure you're all wondering what album we're talking about that Stoney chose for us. Uh, He chose another great album, and it is Bjork's third studio album, Homogenic. After an extensive tour in 1996, Bjork returned to her home in Maida Val with an urgent need to write new songs as a form of therapy. Bjork let audio engineer Marcus Dravs into her home studio to start creating new songs. Bjork wanted to create an album with, quote, a simple sound and, quote, only one flavor. The album began with the working title of Homogeneous, but Bjork changed it to Homogenic shortly afterwards. The process of Homogenic in these sessions was halted because her stalker, Ricardo Lopez (laughs) got jealous of her relationship with musician Goldie. So he mailed her a letter bomb filled with sulfuric acid and then, (laughs) and then returned to his own home and filmed his own suicide. Damn. I did not know any of that. (laughs) I didn't either. And this was wild. (laughs) I was like, what the actual heck? (laughs) So I had no idea about the story, but I can see why Bjork would need time to process this. To deal with the stress of being at home during this incident, Bjork imagined herself as the protagonist in a Spanish soap opera. The character's image inspired a song titled So Broken, which she sang to herself in the kitchen. The song was later included on the Japanese import of this album. To record in privacy away from her sudden unwanted media interest after, you know, the stalker thing, 
Bjork's tour drummer Trevor Moray offered his studio in Spain. Bjork went to Malaga and arranged to meet with flamenco guitarist Raimundo Amador. She had only planned on staying there briefly, but ended up recording the whole album there. Unorthodox methods of recording were used during this production, including Bjork wanting to record outside on the porch and using non-professionals to help with production, such as Rebecca Story, who was hired as a babysitter, but added to the production staff after showing interest in the equipment. (laughs) (laughs) So so Homogenic was released in North America digitally uh, in 2004, but originally came out on September 22nd. 1997 the album debuted at number 28 on the billboard 200 and since has been certified gold art direction for this album cover was done by alexander mcqueen which i thought was really cool i saw that too during my research and i thought that was very interesting i had no idea (laughs) yeah it's pretty crazy to have I don't, I, don't, I don't know many artists that have fashion designers sort of like serve as art directors for their album cover. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yes, girl. Well, I guess I'll let you kind of lead if there's anything further you wanted to say or if you want to start talking about lyrics or themes of the album. Well, I'll let you pick what direction we're going in. Yeah, let me just say, talk about kind of how I got into this album and just some information about it. So like I talked like earlier about how I really like albums that kind of take you to a different place and have a little bit of abstract to them. Um, So I got into this because I was really into Radiohead at the time, you know, so I looked for like similar artists and Tom York had done some interviews before where he was just talking about how much he loves Bjork and some of her songs. <laughs> so I, I, you know, just doing my own research, this one was really like critically acclaimed. So, you know, I just started listening to it and I immediately just like fell in love because it's got like a mixture of like electronic music and a lot of like strings that are used in it. So I love like albums that use just, you know, violin or cello or whatever. So I, I don't know. I just really loved how it had kind of just a tone and a vibe to it. Um, so I guess some of my favorite songs on the album, like for sure for me, is the song Unravel. Okay. Yeah. So like one thing about this song that I love is, and especially with Bjork, it's just the way she sings and how she has like a, such a unique singing style. But the song Unravel, basically, I mean, if you just think of the word unravel, it's like meaning to like untangle something or, you know, and the lyrics to it are basically, um, while you are away, my heart comes undone, slowly unravels in a ball of yarn. And um, then the second part of it is the devil collects it with a grin, our love in a ball of yarn. So like... The way she sings the song to me is so unique because it's almost like she's singing the way she is singing the song is actually like unraveling of her own words. So it's like a a play of like her like slowly unraveling the song and then like the lyrics are talking about unraveling. So it's just to me, it's just like kind of a mind fuck in a way, (laughs) but in a fun way. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because also, too, you know, we're talking about, and th- this was a great pick, because we're talking about two albums that really deal with love. 
you know, we coming from the fame monster and bad romance. And now here we are talking about this love that's unraveling like yarn. Yeah. And I just, it's got such a unique, like, it's just, I really like the lyrics too. Like the third part of the chorus, um, she's saying he'll never return it like in reference to the devil. So when you come back, we'll have to make new love. Like, you know, basically saying that, you know, if, you know, because you've been away, we've lost our connection and we're going to have to rebuild it. So I just thought that was really cool. Right. Or and it could even be like taken as, you know, sort of like the bad romance thing, because she's saying the devil is like, um, you know, it's the the yarns unraveling because the person's away, but the devil's like on the other end, like collecting it. Yeah. As maybe like some sort of bad romance. And then, you know, because of this influence, the love will like yeah not be the same and and a little bit tainted or whatever so you kind of have to build like your new love kind of what you were saying yeah that is that is unique or a interesting take because i never really thought of like bad romance in that way but yeah that's definitely you know makes sense like the devil collecting the love like it's kind of like bad romance yeah it's very interesting and like uh, one of the the lyrics that i pulled you know is also about love (laughs) this is from the song all is full of love and her lyric is you'll be given love you'll be taken care of you'll be given love you have to trust it maybe not from the sources you have poured yours maybe not from the directions you are staring at twist your head around it's all around you all is full of love all around you so basically i i really like this because she's saying like maybe you're not getting the kind of love that you're seeking but there is love around you and you just have to open your eyes and take love where you can find it yeah and i i agree i really love this song and the ending that you just read i think it ends with like she says you just ain't receiving and your phone is off the hook like kind of like Mm -hmm. you said you're just you're refusing the love that is out there and you're just not taking it in right which is also what the song telephone is about on bad romance oh interesting so we're really tying these two albums together girl (laughs) that is cool yeah i didn't even think about that because in telephone you know she's like oh stop calling stop calling i don't want to speak anymore so this is kind of like what bjork is saying in this out uh, in this song yeah no that is really cool yes one thing too just before we go to the next song this song as well when i was doing my research was talking about how she brought in some like icelandic religious uh i don't know what the word to use but like religious stories about how i guess she was saying that in iceland one of the religions just talks about you know eventually like the anger will like boil over and then you'll start anew and like that's basically what she thought she was thinking of when she wrote uh all is full of love like basically this is like a new day and like learning to like take in the love so yeah i thought that was like interesting yeah, that is pretty interesting. I, I hadn't heard that story, but I think it's pretty cool that, I don't know, I just think, you know, of course, we know, Bjork is a little kooky. It's just interesting how she gets all of her references and, and influences and how she brings them all into, she finds a way to bring them all so perfectly into a song and then a whole album. Yeah, and that is one thing I really like about just any artist in general. Like, I love how 
unique and interesting, like some of their minds work just because Bjork is definitely kind of, you know, some people would say an out there, you know, just a different type of person. So it's just, it's fun to listen to how she like came up with some of these things. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Um, Another lyric that I really liked is from the song Five Years. She sings, you can't handle love, baby, you can't handle love. It's obvious you can't handle. I dare you to take me on. I dare you to show me your palms. I'm so bored of you cowards that say they want, then they can't handle. This is definitely a very pointed lyric, I feel like. Yeah. You know, she's kind of saying that people say they want love, but they can't handle it. You know, Bjork is daring them to be brave enough to love somebody. And when they're too cowardly, they will only then realize what they're missing out on five years later. Yes, I like that a lot. I I did not actually look up anything on five year, but that is really cool to like learn that about that song. Yeah, that was one of the songs that stood out to me. This, Like, you know, Stoney was saying, this album is kind of something you have to, uh, it's like a different, like, place, basically. So you kind of have to sit down and just listen to it as a whole. So but this is one of the songs that gravitated to me. Another one that did that I didn't pull lyrics from is Hunter. I really like that song as well. That's the first song on the album. Yes, I, I love that song, too, because it's such a, it's a good first song, I think, because it starts out really slow, but just kind of her talking about being the hunter and you kind of like hear like the, it sounds almost like wolves the way she's singing like um, in the song. So it just, I really like that song. It's just a good way to get yourself like ready to like listen to the, to the album, the rest of the album, you know? Yeah. She's uh, you hear like, maybe it's a werewolf, like a monster. I don't know. Ooh. (laughs) Just to relate yeah. it, I'm sure that's not her motivation, but just for the sake of this podcast. <laughs> no, that's a good point. One of my favorite parts of uh, that Hunter song, though, is the part where she sings, um, I thought I could organize freedom. How Scandinavian of me. I don't know. I just thought that was <laughs> cool, like, because it's just, I don't know. She's, it's just interesting to me that she's like, has these like questions in the song and like doubting herself. Right. And she's sort of like, this is how I was raised. It's like, I thought I would be able to, you know, negotiate freedom, but of course, you know, she was a a bit too naive. Yeah, definitely. The last lyric I pulled from this album that I really liked is from alarm call, which is another song that I really liked so much. (laughs) I had this one too. So let's see if we pull the same part of the song. I pulled, uh, I want to go on a mountaintop with a radio and good batteries and play a joyous tune and free the human race from suffering. So is that what you pulled? Yes. (laughs) Oh my God, we did it. So I also pulled though the part after that too, where she says, I'm no fucking Buddhist, but this is enlightenment. (laughs) Yes. Where it's like, to me, that means, you know, I'm not a Buddhist, but I am an artist and I feel like it's enlightening for me to you know, push for like human rights and things like that. Well, yeah. And and also like sort of just advocating for, for music as, you know, a a form of setting people free Yeah, as well. I thought that was really interesting and almost, you know, just kind of going along with the theme of the album. It's like setting, it could almost be like setting someone free to be able to love like her back, you know, and that sort of story to be able to love another person. Yeah, for sure. Like that whole song alarm call to me is just, 
it's such like a positive song and it's just to me it's really a song about just I mean obviously like being free from the music but it's also just finding joy in music and you know talking about the importance of music in general really yeah definitely because that's really like the whole point of this podcast too so it's like a great lyric to be able to discuss in our season one finale because really it just shows like kind of like the circle of our, our the whole conversation <laughs> that it, I've been having with people over this whole podcast yes it's amazing <laughs> yes girl were there any other lyrics you pulled from this album you wanted to talk about um so I don't have like any other lyrics I did want to say that bachelorette is also one of my favorite songs Okay, And I really love the strings from it too. And it's just, to me, it's kind of like, I was doing a little bit of research on it and it's supposed to be kind of like a revenge song. And a lot of the beats in it are supposed to be like her, like on a train going back to like find somebody or something. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I That wasn't a song that stood out to me, but now that you're talking about the lyrics, it reminds me of Bad Romance bec- when she says, I want your love and I want your revenge. Yeah. So it really kind of like ties both of the albums together still. Like it's just crazy because there, I mean, I feel like there's quite a difference between Lady Gaga and Bjork. So, you know, especially in their styles and their, how they, you know, I mean, Gaga, I guess, is a little bit avant garde out there with her fashion. So they can, you know, maybe have that common ground. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting how these two albums interweave and relate to each other. Yeah, no, that's. I had never thought of it. And like when we decided to do this, I it was not even thinking, you know, in that way at all. But that is really interesting. <laughs> that's that's part of what was so fun for me to um, really dive into Bjork because I, I do enjoy her music, but I don't listen to her like a lot. So it was fun to kind of get to know her a little bit more through this album. And yeah, I, and, and then also like just to see like how basically both albums were about love and how difficult it can be. It was just a very fun adventure to go on. Yeah, for sure. And Bjork is always one of those. I don't I have not listened to all of her albums. It's kind of like with me, she's got some good stuff and some stuff that I also don't love. But I think she's definitely a really like she just is a music artist. You can tell she loves music and she puts a lot of thought into it. So yeah, if you have a chance to i think you should look up some of the music videos with the album because she's also somebody that puts a lot of thought into her music videos which is cool yeah definitely i'm gonna go back and and check out some of the music videos because i did not look at those but i can only i i feel like i sort of have like vague and like (laughs) like um, uh thoughts of what they might be (laughs) and then another interesting thing I wanted to mention before, you know, we, we, uh, in this or whatever, I, I was looking at just about this album and it, obviously it's well, like critically received, but I, the interesting thing was it was up for a Grammy nomination in 1998 and it lost to Radiohead. Okay. Computer, which I feel like is, Oh no. Yeah. Like I'm like, damn, that was a stacked year. And there was also like a David Bowie album, I believe that was in that category so oh wow what a year 1998 grammys (laughs) yes queen (laughs) two of your faves ended up on the list i know it's such a good year yeah yeah well very cool i hope you all enjoyed our discussion about lady gaga's the fame monster and bjork's homogenic i really had a fun time and, and 
want to thank Stony, of course, for coming on the show to end this season with a bang. I feel like we had a really good last episode here for the season. So thanks for coming. Yes, queen. Anytime. <laughs> yes, girl. All right. Well, we will be back eventually. Um, updates to come. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Trouble Trouble podcast. The theme music you heard at the top of the show was made by me. The logo was illustrated and designed by the amazingly talented queer artist, Will Jameson. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at the Will Jameson. This is an indie podcast, which means no commercials, at least for now. It also means that I can't use the clips from the album we discussed because my lawyers have advised against it. Copyright laws, am I right? The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe, tell a friend, and leaving a review. It really helps other music fans find this show. If you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, feel free to listen to my other podcast, Thanks for Coming, a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. I record that show with two of my best friends, Jamal and Stoney. You can find us at TFC Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's all I've got for you now. If you made it through the whole podcast, you rock. And before I sign off, I would like to, of course, extend the invitation to Lady Gaga to come on the show. I'd love to interview you, pick your brains a little bit. Signing off, I'm your host, Seth. Rock on, young savior. Don't give up your hopes. <laughs>